Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back. In studio with me is Kirk Dieter from Field and Stream and Trout Magazine. And we're going right to the phones because no matter what I say about him, he is one of our favorite contributors. He's been with this show, uh, gosh, I think half my life, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time, Jerry. You know, somebody asked me the other day, it came up a lot lately in the last six months, and uh, I really don't know what the answer is. We'll have to sit down and put pen on paper and uh, figure out how long I have been doing the show with you. It's, uh, it's been well, a while. Well, sure. it really, it really has. I tell you, Kirk, one of the things that just aggravates me about Nate, because he's He's, he says he grew up watching me on television. Well, two things. First, he never grew up. Yeah. And, and second of all, he's not that young. All right, Nate. So, Nate. Yeah, I, I am feeling a little aged now, Terry. I'm sensitive about it. So, watch what you're going You're with sensitive. I got belly button length that's older than you. I have belly button length that's older than you. Hey, Nate, I know you want to you wanna talk about the bites that are going on and all that. We were trying to give a report on Pueblo, and the guy from Parks couldn't make it. So you just had that tournament down there. Give us a quick update on what's happening down at Pueblo. Absolutely, Terry. It's that kind of that wonderful time of year. This is actually kind of a big weekend. It's Mother's Day weekend. Uh, we always throw that out there. So if you have not thought about getting your, your mother something, or something special tomorrow, make sure you do that. But there's always certain times of year where we kind of associate bites happening. And we always say Mother's Day is a big one. It's when the pike really kick off a post-spawn bite. And it's also when a lot of our warm water stuff on the front range gets out of its kind of post-spawn you know, springtime stuff and falls into its heavy summer patterns. And that's what's happening at Pueblo right now for all species. We're seeing our small mouths, uh, you know, really starting to head up to, to the bedding sites and things like that. Our large mouths are getting ready as well. Um, and everything's kind of coming very active. The walleyes are 100% on structure um, in, in their summer patterns. So the walleye bite at Pueblo is awesome. I was down there all week last week. I uh, went down three, four heads that days ahead of the tournament uh, to guide walleye trips. I would say right now we're probably holding a really strong 50 to 60 fish average on walleye down there. Um, you know, Terry, we did a little bit of everything more for the sake of education and guiding. So when I was down there, I had customers that wanted to see a lot of different techniques. Uh, so we live bait rig. We did everything from slow death to small two-hook harnesses. On the slow death and the, the live bait bites, we were fishing flats. So we were fishing, you know, flats on the main lake, and we were fishing the back of coves, kind of where all that brush and stuff kind of flattens out. Uh, you have some good open water to fish. But I'd say the live bait action was as shallow as 10 feet and as deep as 20 feet. So we had a wide range of depth that was producing a lot of those fish in the live bait rigs. We also had a slip bobber bite. We were slip bobbering kind of the tips of points and in between in between little brush piles. Uh, so anytime that we had a really fine area, a real small defined area to fish, we were slip bobbering, and that bite was going very strong. And the bite we did the most down at Pueblo for the walleyes was throwing paddle tails. Uh, so we were sitting on structure points, uh, you know, coming from deep water to shallow water. That's where the majority of our bigger fish came from. Um, so we were putting our boats in anywhere between 20 and 25 feet of water and casting paddle tail jigs into about 16 feet. And it was really that 16 to 18 foot depth 
on that contour that was a premium key depth to catching a lot of fish. And that's how we caught most of our keepers and generally speaking, most of the fish overall. That bite was very hot at Pueblo right now. So if you're going to Pueblo or you're looking for a great day of walleye fishing, uh, Pueblo is definitely a, a hot spot right now with, with those techniques for walleye. But again, the bass are active. We had a lot of guys sight fishing bass and even doing the early spawning thing. Um, those guys are seeing fish obviously very shallow, you know, less than six feet of water. Uh, it seemed like there was a lot of bass in that six to ten foot. Uh, and again, those are all those fish just kind of getting ready for that spring spawning cycle. Uh, but that six to ten, six to twelve foot uh, was great. And it was crazy. So in the in the tournament last week, we had a boat angler win it. We had a shore angler take second. Um, and then down in seventh, eighth place, we had a kayak angler. So we saw all kinds of techniques uh, and a lot of different styles of angling. And as far as how people were winning this, we saw a lot of guys throwing jerk baits and crank baits. We had a guy do extremely well fishing a spinner bait. Uh, we saw a lot of guys fishing plastics and jigs. Uh, so as far as the bass goes, it was a wide range of techniques that go, and that bite is still going. So, again, if you're on the spawning fish, you know, obviously a Cinco and things like that, if you're fishing those fish that are that are still in that deeper water, not quite up in that that, that sight fishing type area, that real shallow water shoreline stuff, um, you know, those deeper diving crankbaits to really cover water uh, would probably be my main suggestion for those bass. And then the wiper, chase that warm water. That's the biggest thing. So you go in the, the back of the bays, we have that warmer water those wipers are getting very active so we saw a lot of wipers last week and that bite's really just getting going a lot of those fish stack up where all the water's flowing in by the arkansas river real early in the year uh now they're kind of showing up all over the place but those wipers are coming out of the deep water uh and hanging out so if i had to, to make a choice for wiper i'd kind of go halfway back in some of those bays on the south side and i'd find kind of a, a riprap rocky wall uh, the biggest thing is on the midday, that, that sun warms those rocks, warms that water, and those wipers get real excited on those walls. So fishing a, a steeper wall, um, you know, with a fairly fast action bait, like a lipless crank, um, is going to produce a lot of those wipers right now. So that's kind of the, the, the Pueblo report. But, again, it is a great time for Pueblo. We always say the second half of May is always the, the kind of the hot time of year for Pueblo, just as those fish are just kind of really getting in their cycles. They're hungry. Everything's, you know, in and out of spawns. You can really take advantage of all the, the perks um, of spring at Pueblo right now and uh, and it's definitely a, a destination to be too worth that i got a couple and i want to make them short but i want to t- touch on one of the techniques you brought up and you mentioned paddle tail jigs now you're not talking about the swim tail boot tail type jigs you're talking about the more subtle paddle tails right you know i my my favorite bait last week was actually a, a berkeley ripple shad okay uh, so, so it, it was a it was a was a was a thumper tail it, it was working good yeah, very, very good. And, you know, there's a difference. You know, you get a – used to be the old curly tail jigs would have kind of a swimming action, and then the paddle tails were more subtle because they were flat. And then the, yep. the swimming one, like you were using, give that real thump-thump, and they really draw the fish with vibration. And so you got to kind of get in your mind how active the fish are. All three of those will work, and they're really great techniques. we got a couple minutes left, Nate. Run down some of the other hot bites. Where do people need to be headed? we got some good weather coming. 
Absolutely, Terry. So with that being said, again, our trout fishing up in the hills is really starting to get consistent. We like that. So again, you talk about the spinning opener. I mean, it's one of the main draws of the Colorado angle. Everybody wants to be at spinning when it opens. Everybody wants to be at Antero when it opens. But to be honest with you, it's the excitement of opening day. It's the excitement to be back in the South Park Lakes. But a lot of times on these real opening days, this real early season, late April, early May, you know, these fish are in and out of spawning cycles. You have so many variations of the trout species in these lakes that you know some of these fish are, are natural or more natural spawners that were in the river those fish spawn in february and they're in a post spawn a lot of these stalkers were really just spawning in that early may and you get fish kind of really spread out and it really takes until about mid-may right now until those fish start gathering up they start building patterns so right now is when these patterns are just starting to really kick off our water's now mid 40s to high 40s um and now is when that trout fishing is getting really good I mean, obviously, we're still catching fish in that early time of year. They're big and it's exciting. But right now is when we really start building good patterns and we start seeing a lot more and bigger fish. So really right now, spinning and tarot, um, those lakes are producing good fish. And that bite's only going to get better as we start to approach that 50-degree mark. We always say that 50 to 55 degrees is that key temperature at an antero at a spinny uh, to have the best days. We start getting those really high number days of those big fish. So that bite really just now gathering up and is going to continue over the next couple of weeks. So I really think that's a great destination spot. Uh, we're throwing a lot of baits like Tasmanian Devil, Castmasters, and when we finally get those fish grouped up, we're going to be swimming tube jigs. That's the biggest thing that we've been doing a lot. This is a Will Dykstra technique. You know, everybody fishes these tubes on the bottom, and we're now swimming these tubes, almost like uh, you'd fish a real fast-action jerkbait, big rod-tip strokes, and you're really darting that tube jig left and right and really there's times we'll be in 20 feet of water and we're working that tube jig three four feet below the surface so swimming tube jigs is, is doing very well at both those fisheries as well and you can really work that bait you know you work it slower it goes deeper you work it faster it comes higher so you can really be versatile and cover that water column um, and catch a lot of those fish and then the last bite while we're talking South Park is those big giant pike. Everybody gets excited for a big northern pike. Uh, Will Dexter yesterday literally got broke off by a, like a 46-incher. Uh, Will has been consistent at producing a 30-pound fish every spring. Uh, you know, whether it's that high 29 or it's, you know, breaking that state record, it's been phenomenal on the quality of pike that we've been getting. And yesterday he, uh, he landed a fish in the 40-inch range. Landed multiple high 30s. Uh, he lost like a 46, well, 30-pound fish uh, at the boat. So, again, talking that Mother's Day bite, this is the time when those pike are now in post-spawn. we got a few pre-spawners, a lot of fish in the spawn, but really as those post-spawn fish just come off that spawn, they are hungry, they are aggressive, uh, and it's a great time to get some giant fish right now. So, again, if you're a pike angler, a lot of guys hit it hard the last couple weeks, and it's just not quite there. This is the start of that pike season. So get up there. From now in the next two weeks, it's going to be your prime bite. Again, water 48 to 52. Um, it's a big pike season right now. And Will's actually running a Mother's Day photo contest on our Facebook page. You can see one of the pikes that he caught, actually caught yesterday. Uh, so Will was out there yesterday with his mom for Mother's Day. Uh, caught a big pike, and he actually posted that picture on the Tightline Outdoors Facebook page. But we're running a photo contest. So if anybody else take, take, play a part of it, 
Will's got a whole package of Savage Gear, Savage Gear baits, uh, the baits that he's catching these big pike on. If you have a picture of you fish with your mom, go to our Facebook page, post that picture. The picture that gets the most likes uh, is going to win this prize pack from Will. So, again, we encourage everybody to, uh, to have fun, show some pictures of you fishing with your mom, uh, and a good opportunity to, uh, to win some gear that Will's uh, testing out and using to catch those big pike right now. Nate, we are out of time, but if people want more information or book a trip, Tightline Outdoors on Facebook and tightlineoutdoors.com. That's it. We, uh, we got a lot of stuff going on. Follow along, and, uh, yeah, we'd love to get you on the water and teach you about these bites. And you and I are going to get back on the water together this year. You haven't front-ended me we forever. All right. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> it's time. You <laughs> want that experience again. That's right. <laughs> Nate Zielinski, always a great resource. We're going to take a time out, and we get back. We're going to be joined by a very special guest right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. All right. Well, welcome back. This is Kirk Dieter in studio with Terry Wickstrom on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And uh, I get the mic now because I get to introduce a special friend of mine who I've known for a long, long time. He is Joe Cermelli, and he is the fishing editor for Field and Stream and Outdoor Life. Joe, how are you, my friend? I am I am well, Kirk. Thanks for having me on, man. This is uh we don't we don't talk that much anymore, so it's funny like, you know, we're we're on the radio here together. We, we need to be on the public <laughs> airwaves to talk, but you know, Joe yep. is it it's it's neat because um we're both field and stream guys and, and for me, um Getting to write for Field and Stream is was like getting my Yankee pinstripes. You know, it's the oldest brand in the outdoors and so forth. And Joe now is the fishing editor. That's like playing the shortstop for Field and Stream. And it's, <laughs> he, he, long, he long, joins a long line of great dignitaries. There are very few people in this world who um, – there are a lot of fishermen or anglers who want to write or do media you know, do video and so forth. Scant few who are very talented writers foremost, and Joe is one of them. So, Joe, it's an honor to have you with us. I really appreciate uh, it. I, I appreciate that, man. And I, I need to go on record saying that, um, you know, having this job, I've been at it for a while. But there's never a day I wake up and take it for granted. Like, I still wake up after all these years and go, I can't believe I do this. And <laughs> I, I, owe, I owe a lot of that to you, man. I consider you a mentor, Kirk. You know that. Well, I hey, hey, Joe. You this, long before I was writing anything. This is Terry Wickstrom. There's a lot of people that wake up and can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad position to be in. Right? So, Joe, how's the family? First of all, you're supposedly going to have a busy Mother's Day tomorrow, I hope. I, I am, yeah. I'm going to have a busy Mother's Day. The family, uh, the family is great. You know, I got uh, my daughter just turned four. Oh, my right. son is turning one on uh, June 11th, and um, that's it. There's, we're done. That's we got our two. That's good. I'm good with those two. So we're <laughs> like family circle complete. But everything you, is great. And you still get out and fish quite a bit. Tell us where you've been last. What 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 are some of your cool adventures that you've been on? Well, I actually just got back. Um, Thursday, I was on the Upper Delaware River for uh, for three days, um, which you know, hey, that's an old haunt for you, being an East Coast guy. And uh, for anybody, I mean, you guys are out in Colorado, right? So it's like trout, like you know, trout just everywhere out there. But you know, on the East Coast here, um, we just don't have the same kind of trout fisheries. But the Upper Delaware, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, that is, and I think you'd agree, that is one of the best wild trout fisheries east of the Mississippi. And um, no doubt. I'm lucky that, you know, I'm only three, four hours away. 
So oh, I was yeah. just up there for a few days, and I mean, what a bug factory! It's it's a challenging place, but um, man, I mean, just every kind of bug that's supposed to be pouring off the water this time of year was doing it. So, well, that's awesome. Now I know yeah. uh, Romano; he's coming on the radio with me in a couple of weeks. Here, maybe we can get you back for that because yeah. then, then it'll be the three Stooges all in one place at one time. But <laughs> the re- yes. re- visiting the Fly Talk Boys and so forth and all that, but. You were just in Mexico with him fishing for bass, weren't you? Yeah, that, that's kind of a, a funny deal. Um, so for, for hook shots for our web show, I usually start shooting in uh, in March. And I, I had an invite from the, the great people at Angler's Inn, and they're good friends of mine. They have lodges all over Mexico and South America. And their most famous is the one at Lake El Salto. Well, um, I guess a few years ago, probably 10 years ago, they started stocking those bass. They were taking them to this new lake, Picachos. And it's kind of had 10 years to sort of fester and grow. And they slowly but surely built a lodge there. And now that fishery is sort of coming into its own. And, um, you know, the difference between it and El Salto is there's not quite as many, you know, 10-plus pounders in Picachos, but it's shallower than El Salto. And it's uh, it's just loaded with fish in that, you know, two to six pound range. And they, they invited me uh, because they're really trying to um, – bring more of a fly crowd to, to Picacho. So they're trying to make that their fly lake. So it's funny because I, you know, as the fishing editor of Film Streaming Out There Life, like I should be this really devout largemouth guy. But truth be told, man, like like of all the fish out there, like they, they don't do that. Like I'm not that much of a largemouth guy. But I know I know Tim is. And um, to get away in the winter, you know, and, and go somewhere like that where – you just have three days to focus on nothing but largemouth on the fly. Man, it was one of the coolest trips I've been on in a, in a long time. That I sounds... mean, we just caught the snot out of fish, <laughs> you know. That sounds awesome. Hey, i got to wonder, you know, and we're going to take a break in a couple minutes, and then I'm going to ask you to come back and, and talk a little bit more about your books, about hook shots, about other things. But, you know, I'm, I'm wondering now, because we had a conversation once after we were – Driving back from the Miramichi to New York and New Jersey, uh, from New Brunswick, where we almost hit a moose as we were driving on the lumber roads. Several, so. several as I recall. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. That could be we, a whole other story in itself. For, for, but anyway, go ahead. That's right. Well, we were talking about that in our car ride. You might not even remember, but like the bucket list of fish that we wanted to see and experience. And since that time, you and I have both caught fish that we probably didn't even imagine we would. You know, I've seen right. that chasing the gar and other things. I wonder, is there, a, is there a species that's still on your list, and where is it, and when are you going to go do it? You know, there there is. I, I really want to do Golden Dorado, which I know you have a lot of experience with. Uh, and I know that someday I, I will get there. But, you know, part of my, my sort of my shtick and my vibe is, um, you know, I, I don't do that much far-flung stuff. Uh, for the magazines or for the video series, because I, I really do believe that 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 people appreciate the attainable, you know. And um, a lot of the videos I've shot over the years, like a spoiler alert, but my next episode of, of Hookshot, we shot on the Lehigh River, um, you know, which is great with me. And it's a sleeper, and it's it's not a destination, you know, but it has that local appeal. So even though personally, yes, I, I want to go shoot. Um, you know, I, I want to go shoot a Dorado video or at least catch Dorado for myself. Um, you know, when I'm, when I'm picking assignments or picking places to go, I, I really tend to stick to the attainable. 
Um, so whether I'll get there as a, a magazine piece or a video, I don't know. But uh, just personally, even if it's like, you know, when I'm retired or something, at some point I have to go do Dorado. I've been to South America for Peacocks. That was on the bucket list too, but the Dorado, not yet. Well, we'll, we'll make a point to do that together someday. I'd love to do that. And now I'd like to take a quick break. And, you know, first, before I take the break, I'm going to say, Joe, what's special about you and your talents is that you make the exotic thing feel right home, right at home, and right. on their home waters. Right. And that's the highest aspiration that any outdoor writer could have. So, And you do it better than anybody else. We're going to take a break now on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And when we come back, we're going to pick up again with Joe Cermelli, the fishing editor for Field and & Stream and Outdoor Life Magazine. This is Kirk Dieter in studio with Terry Wickstrom on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And we have, continuing along with us as our special guest today, Joe Cermelli, who's the fishing editor for Field and Stream Magazine and Outdoor Life. Joe, are you hanging in there with us? I am still here, my friend. Perfect. Hey, listen, I wanted to touch a little bit, um, you know, talk about Field and Stream and Outdoor Life, and these are brands that go back literally a century or more now and uh but media has changed a lot in recent years and people get their information in different ways and you're on the forefront of that with some interesting stuff in terms of uh, a, a podcast and a, and a web-based video series hook shots can you tell us a little bit about both of those and 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 uh, some of the other things that you've got going on Sure. Yeah. And I mean, you, you could not be more right. I mean, I, I started in this career in 2005 with Saltwater Sportsman and, you know, coming out of college, like my love was print. Uh, that's what I always dreamed of doing was being a print editor and a print writer. And yes, um, I mean, the way that we consume media, if uh, in this business now, as you know, if you can't sort of change with those times, um, you know, it's tough. You have to care as much about social media, video and Facebook and Instagram as, uh, you know, what gets written in the magazine. But the hook shots was kind of like uh, a side project that I, I started basically because I got a video camera for Christmas in 2008 and didn't know what to do with it. And, uh, you know, video back then, which wasn't that long ago, was not really a big deal to a lot of the outdoor brands. And I said, well, can I start a fishing show on our website? And uh, my, my boss said, yeah, sure. And, you know, I was 25. I then, I was then and, and, and still am now into punk and metal music. And I curse and say rude things. And, you know, uh, so I said, well, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be sort of the anti-TV fishing show. It's just going to be completely raw. Whatever happens, happens. There's no storyline. It's just going to go fish and shoot video and set it to metal. And um, here I am still doing that. Here we are. Years later, I'm shooting a... a Season 11 of Hook Shots right now. And, um, you know, it existed as a web series for a long time. And then in 2015, I, I said, may I please have my own Facebook uh, page for Hook Shots? And um, they gave it to me, and that's been very successful. So I have nearing 50,000 organic followers, and I stress organic because 50,000 in the overall scheme of social media is not that much, but... I have never paid to boost a post, so I, I would much rather it be people who want to be there, you know, rather than, you know, paid advertising or, you know, paid paid likes. And it's really created 
uh, just an incredible community. I can't stress that enough. You know, Hookshots fans all over the country it is. meet on that page. They it get is. together to fish all over the country. You know, they hashtag things, Hookshots family. Um, and it's just always been my, my little side baby and sort of the, I guess you could say the, the, the black sheep property of Field and Stream because Field and Stream is historically, you know, uh, you know, the writers for Field and Stream, as you know, like they were, they were so, you know, looked up to and, and put on a pedestal. And the way I look at hook shots is like, you know, people might see Field and Stream as sort of like the castle up on the hill that's unattainable. And I'm like, ah, you guys, you want to go party up there? Because I got the keys. We can go drink all their beers. You know, so, <laughs> like, that's great. It, it, I, you know, that, that's kind of how I looked at hook shots. Is yes, I'm, I'm a film stream fishing editor, but I'm, I'm no better than you. I'm just a dude, man, that likes to fish. And maybe I have a louder megaphone, but, um, you know, I answer every message. I, I'm, I'm as excited about your new personal best brown as you are. Well, that's so, cool. Yeah, you know, it's it's made a great community in a, in a social setting, which is what social media is supposed to be, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I agree. Joe, Joe, this is Terry. I have to make a comment because you really hit a, a really, uh, I won't say a nerve, but something real personal to me. And um, when I first started in television, I got a lot of criticism from the industry, especially sponsors, that I didn't self-promote enough, that our right. our show was about, Let's go fishing together. We're going to show you right. where and how and what we do. And you don't have to be me to come and catch these fish. I'm just going to show you where they are and give you a few tips. But you can do this. Sure. We, we ended up doing 22 seasons of 300 broadcast national television shows and quit on our own terms when we felt like that was enough work and a very successful level of sponsorship. And when you talked about being yourself, that really hit home with me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's you know that's 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 so important to me, and, I, and I'm not here to, to rag on anybody, but I mean I just think there are a lot of people who put on a personality on camera, and that's not really who they are in the fishing industry. And like I am a, a complete come as you are guy, you know what I mean? Like I said, I like I, I am the, the same guy if you're talking to me in a bar as I am on camera, and um, it really you know. It really is about the fans to me. I, I don't consider myself by any means any sort of celebrity. Like, I just, we're just all there to hang out. Our motto is sort of like, you know, come as you are, sidle up to the bar with us, and let's talk fishing, whatever you want to talk about. You know? Well, I've always respected that, Joe. And I, I will say this. You know, I was thinking about this. You don't have to be, uh, having played in the NFL, to cover the NFL. Adam Schefter is one of the greatest reporters who covers the NFL, right? Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to have held or run for a political office to cover politics, right? Right. But right. to cover fishing, if you don't have your boots in the water and your time on the boat, you don't have the credibility to work in this industry. And yeah. you've got to be out there on the water. You've got to be a real person. And that's the way that it works. And i got to tell you, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, give you a compliment. And I think that you're the fishiest dude that I've ever been around. So, <laughs> and I've been a lot around a lot of fishy dudes. I'm, I'm next to a fishy dude right now, um, and I consider myself a pretty fishy dude. But uh, you are by far the fishiest dude that I've ever been around. So, maybe, I'll, I'll give it to you. Maybe in terms of of, of the passion, and you know, um, one thing I really pride myself on too is not being a one trick pony. As you know, like I will go throw dainty dry flies at trout on monday and then i will buy live shiners and go pickerel fishing on tuesday <laughs> and then go popping tuna offshore on wednesday so fishing in terms of loving 
fishing, you know, its totality, yes. But in terms of catching, I, dude, I'm really not that good. I caught some beautiful brown trout this week at the zero hour last float last day at dark and completely had crapped to bed every opportunity before that. Well, That's just real talk, you know. Well, so. you keep on keep on trucking there, Joe. We're going to have to call it uh, at that pretty here. Uh, it's been great talking to you. I want to get you back. I want to catch up with you some more, but I can't thank you enough. People need to check out Joe Somerly at, at fieldandstream.com. They got to buy the total fishing manual. They got to buy the total fly fishing manual. They got to follow you because uh, it, you know, they're going to learn a lot from talking to Joe. So, Joe, thank you so much for being here and come back. So, and anytime, Kirk, I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks, right, Joe. Buddy. This is Terry. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate it, Terry. Take care. Right. Well. Thanks again, and we're going to take a quick break here, and then Terry and I are going to wrap up a little bit more later. It's too bad that there's an Eagles song playing because I wanted to get to Ronnie and give him lots of time, but <laughs> I happen to love the Eagles, so Ronnie, Ronnie's going to have to listen for a minute. <laughs> You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3. The fan, and we will go right to Ronnie. He's one of our favorite contributors from the Fishful Thinker Group, Mr. Ronnie Castiglione. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you guys doing this morning? We're doing well. Of course, Kirk Dieter's in studio with me from Field and Stream and from uh, uh, Trout Magazine. You guys have something in common, Ronnie. You're filling in next week while I'm off in Corpus Christi. And then in a couple weeks, Kirk's filling in for me while... Well, first, I have an event, something to do with you I have to attend, and then I'm headed to, I think, Napa. I'm not sure. Well, geez, Terry, you make it sound like you travel a lot. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I really appreciate you guys filling in and that you appreciate the hard work I do when you're here. <laughs> yeah, for real, Terry. He's going to be working really this. hard in Napa. He's got he's to get us to do this while the waters are so high. That's what we were talking about, the high water. Because when it's low water, he can't get us to come in. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ronnie, it says uh, on my notes here that you want to talk about sometimes you have to slow down to catch more fish. Well, you know, Terry, after nine years of guiding, and this is my ninth season I'm going into right now, um, I would say that one of the hardest things to do day in and day out is when when I'm trying to get people to slow down and, and, and really, you know, really slow down, it's very, very difficult at times, Terry. So, you know, slowing down, especially this time of year here for maybe the next month, month and a half, um, sometimes going very, very slow with your presentations is the way to catch more fish. There's no doubt about it, Terry. Well, I think you are right about slowing down, and uh, I don't know exactly where you're going, but I'll throw a couple thoughts at you. One is you're throwing a jerk bait in cold weather. People can't pause long enough. They just can't. They can't let it sit there. And it's the same with baits down deep. Sometimes you just got to let give it a little life and not move it. But go ahead and tell us what your thoughts are. Yeah, you know, it really is, Terry. And, and the biggest thing is I don't think people understand a lot of times how much action, how far they're moving the lures, how quick their reels are, how much lifting the rod up to move a jig actually moves the lure on the bottom. So when I get clients out on the boat, um, um, let's just take a jig, for example. Maybe the bite's all about dragging the tube jig really, really slow 
on any given day. Well, you know, when I tell my clients, uh, you know, I just want you to drag that thing a foot, uh, they move it six, seven, or eight feet. Like it's no, you know, like they're not doing a whole heck of a lot, Terry. So, you know, you got to think about that as you're a new angler and you're getting into fishing. Understand that uh, when you're working a jig and you're dragging along, you know, lifting that rock from, let's say, that 9 o'clock position all the way to that 12 o'clock position, that jig's going to pendulum and kind of slide in towards you as you lift that rod. And it's been my experience just moving a simple 7-foot rod that far, you drag that jig about 7, 8 feet every time you do that, Terry. So understanding that that's how much action, that's how far you're moving that jig when you're doing that. The other thing to pay attention to is how quick a reel is. So, you know, just take the average size spinning reel, for example. Most average spinning reels are going to are gonna take in anywhere from 26 to maybe 32 inches of line per turn, Terry. So when I explain to a client that, you know, every time you're reeling that just one single time around with that hand you're moving that presentation, you know, anywhere from two, two and a half to three feet. Um, that is kind of an eye opener a lot of times. So it's important to understand that there are some times when the bite is is all about moving a presentation really, really slow that people really need to slow down with what they're doing, Terry, and pay attention to it. Well, you know, one of the things that when I used to teach a lot of fishing soft plastics, I would the th- number one thing I would tell people was don't move it with the reel because you're right. You take up so much line, and I can't tell what's happening on the other end when I'm turning the reel handle. But if I crawl it along the bottom where I never lose contact and feel it all the way, I'm only going to move it a small amount of time. Then I'm going to lower my rod tip and take in that slack. Is that how you approach it? Yeah, absolutely, Terry. And, you know, the the key is a lot of times is for people to really be watching their line and understanding what's going on with their line during their presentation so that they see the lures off the bottom and it's still falling or they can see that they're tight to it and that it's pulling right along the bottom. You know, sometimes to get people to really slow down, there's, there's, there's some other presentations other than the jig that will really get a person to slow down. One of the best ones, Terry, is fishing a, something like a Cinco, uh, you know, either uh, just Texas rig with no weight or perhaps just wacky rigged with no weight, you know, getting a client out there, having them throw that presentation on some braided line, high visibility braided line where they can actually see their line on the water and telling them, you know, you're not going to move that until your line stops moving. It really is an eye opener a lot of times about how long it actually takes a presentation to fall through the water like that, Terry. And, and when the bite's all about something falling very, very slow like that, that's a, you know, that's a skill set that somebody's really got to have, Terry. Now, there's some other presentations that we utilize that people a lot of times would be, you know, just kind of working along fairly fast. And, and we utilize them a lot of times, especially this time of year, Terry, very, very slow. Things like a surface popper, uh, you know, it's, it's really easy to throw that popper out there and kind of pop that thing along and work it back to the boat. But there's a lot of days up on a lake like Horseshoe, Terry, where, where the bite with that surface popper is, you know, more of a pop, pop, and just let that thing sit there for maybe 20, 30, 40 seconds in one spot. Then those fish come up and they smack it right on the surface like that. It's real similar to that jerkbait bite you were talking about earlier when, when it's all about that real, real long pause. But you can do that with a popper as well, Terry, and there are days where that's where you're going to get the bigger fish to come up and eat it. You know, there's some other presentations that people work along really, really fast to medium speed a lot of times, but slowing down with something like a spinnerbait, Terry, and, and you know, maybe going to a spinnerbait that's got a Colorado blade on it as opposed to a willow bait blade and just swimming that thing as slow as you possibly can to just where you're feeling, you know, the thump of the blade and you're keeping it off the bottom. A lot of times early in the year and as these fish are moving to spawn and that kind of thing and when when they get locked in on their beds and like that, 
slow rolling that spinnerbait, incredibly slow, Terry, painfully slow, is a lot of times how we produce the bigger fish this time of year, Terry. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, when you talked about a 20-second pause on that popper, people, Ronnie, in their concept when they're fishing have no idea what 20 seconds are. Kirk, in fact, I'll bet you could attest to this. People, even fly fishermen who are getting a presentation that you want to kind of sit there and entice, 10 seconds seems like an hour. Oh, yeah, sure it does. And you know that as well as anybody too, Ronnie, that, you know, getting when you guide, now I don't guide, but I fish with lots of people, most of them better than me, but I fish with lots of people. And I'll tell you, uh, one of the best that keeping the presentation slow was the lady behind the glass, and she's, I don't know how many times, Karen, I'll be out trying to get fish, and all of a sudden, she's catching fish, and I look over. Dan Swanson, your compadre, and I were out on the water with Karen trying to film a television show on walleyes, and we couldn't get him to go. Karen was a camera person, back of the boat. She put the camera down, started working a jig, and taught us how to catch those fish so we could do a show because she slowed well, down. more patience and skill than you do, Terry, so that's not a surprise. Other than that, <laughs> there wasn't much. Ronnie, real quick, give me a minute. If you were going fishing in the next few days, it's going to be beautiful. What are the bites? Well, you know, Terry, I've got a hot one that I've just heard about recently, and that's uh, North Park. You know, the lakes up there have opened up. They've got the docks in up there, and I'm hearing incredible results up at, like, North Delaney and South Delaney for a lot of big trout. So that's kind of a, you know, a hot bite right now, this time of year sort of a deal. If I was looking for somewhere close right now, the ponds are all fishing very, very good for largemouth right now, no doubt about it. Boyd is also fishing outstanding. Horsetooth is fishing outstanding for smallmouth and walleyes. So, you know, it's that kind of time of year, Terry, where you're asking for, you know, where to go, uh, you can pretty much go anywhere right now, Terry. The fishing's going to be good. It's just the way it is right now, and uh, it's time to get out, no doubt about it, Terry. Oh, you're absolutely right. It's just a great, great pl- time to get out, and it's the warm water species are going to get better, and the mountain trout are going to get better. It's a fantastic time. Ronnie, you're going to be hosting the show next week. I'm, I assume you got some great things lined up. We'll let you... Uh, We'll fill people in online on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We'll uh, we'll kind of give them some peak previews during the week about what you're going to have. But thank you. So, you know, I appreciate both you and Kirk. They're going to fill in for me the next two weeks while I'm out really, really busting it. <laughs> All right. Well, get out and enjoy this weather. It's yeah, a beautiful day. It's going to be beautiful tomorrow. And have fun down in Texas, Terry. Uh, thank you, Ronnie. Ronnie Castiglione, Fishful Thinker, always a great contributor. Thank you, Ronnie. Um Mr. Jacobs, before we wrap up this show, we thought we'd let you come in and uh, give us a. What are you going to talk? I bet you're not going to talk fishing when when we leave. I can't. I make no guarantees. We might talk about fishing for three hours. I'm not sure. It cost me my job. <laughs> well, you're not even going to work next week. <laughs> well, I, well, it doesn't mean we're not going to have a show. <clears throat> well, yeah, somebody will be doing the show. You won't be doing the show. You know, let's not make an issue out of that. Uh, you know, Bob Call could be listening. Yeah, or, you that's know, true. You know, I mean. <laughs> So before we close things out here, you are coming up. What are you guys, you and Orlando, what are you going to be covering? Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the Nuggets, uh, Big Game 7 tomorrow. We're going to have Earl Boykins on uh, about 1230. And, of course, we'll talk Broncos minicamp. And... What's your feeling about the Nuggets? You know, I think, they, I, I think they're going to win. You know, I think they are now, too. But when they went into the very first series, they said, you know, here's a team that never been in the playoffs before. And they're going, well, we're going to approach it like just another game, and it's just a basketball game. And I thought, you guys have no idea the speed and intensity the playoffs bring. 
They've really learned and grown. Now we hope they've learned and grown enough. They have they have grown leaps and bounds since that first series with Utah. So it's it's been fun. It's been interesting to watch. It's a great time to be a sports fan in Denver. You know, obviously the Avs just uh, didn't quite get it done, but uh, they gave us a, you know a, a good month or so of you know a few weeks of playoff hockey that I don't think anybody was expecting. And we're actually going to talk about that because uh, that was one of the topics. That that troublemaker James Merrillat put something on the website saying uh, the Avs have made no progress. Yeah, I, I think the Avs, the Avs to me, are young and they're going to be around for a while. I think I look for that. Hey, we got to wrap it up. Kirk Dieter, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, sir. Kirk is the editor of Trout Magazine. He's an editor at large for Field and Stream, and in two weeks. Mr. Dieter is going to fill in, and he's got all his cronies on with him. And you're going to enjoy <laughs> some real of, trouble. Uh, you're going to enjoy some of the best best stories of the year. It's going to be phenomenal. We're going to get out of here and let Mr. Jacobs and his soon to be arriving partner talk some uh, sports right here. Um, he won't have the expertise. I will. He's only been doing this for how long, Dan? I don't know, t- 15, 20 years. Twenty. Yeah. And our relationship goes back. Talk about a flash in the pan in sports. Goes to a state championship. Never heard of him again. So, yeah, back, Co- back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> you still bowl? No, it was it was all coaching back then. Oh by yeah, the way. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> all right, we'll let the Eagles take us to the switch over here, and uh, I'll I'll be back in two three weeks. But we'll have lots of great films. So stay tuned every Saturday, and we got lots of sports coming up on Sports Radio one zero four three The Fan.